And welcome oh. back to Meeting of the Minds. Today we're back with our mental health special, our mental health series. Today we're here with the great Oz Chavez, mental health professional, who's going to give us some great information. Oz, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, Gene. Absolutely. Let's take it from the top. Talk about your experience in the mental health profession. Yeah, uh, so my background uh, really originated from uh, uh, personal family experience with uh, a lot of uh, deaths. You know, uh, I had a father that was a, a alcoholic and he was a good father and uh, very the smartest person I ever met. And um, I had a sibling who was an excellent wrestler, uh, but he suffered through depression a lot and uh, the loss of his father, he was never able to get over it. And so uh, that affected him to a point where it just debilitated and uh, both my father and, and my, my, my sibling committed suicide. Um, from that point on, uh, I went on to go to medical school for a couple of years, but my heart wasn't in it uh, because you know losing those two family members to, to, to suicide, uh, I felt that um, there needed to be a change in what I did as a profession. And so I pursued uh, mental health and uh, doing counseling. And so I went to Texas A&M uh, University to do uh, counseling, uh, both marriage and family and individual counseling. Uh, from that, uh, I worked heavily in the mental health field, uh, working with the homeless population. I, that's where I learned a lot about uh, different aspects of mental health. Um, I have also worked for the United States Navy, uh, dealing with uh, fleet and family services. Uh, I've also worked for uh, the United States Army, uh, working with combat veterans, dealing with substance abuse, and also uh, mental health issues with PTSD. Uh, I've had the, I've been fortunate enough to do also research for NIH with Hispanic uh, issues for several years in Washington, D.C., and um, you know, I've worked uh, as well for Children's of Alabama, dealing with trauma and uh, mental health abuse and, and sexual abuse. And currently, I am the executive director for Catholic Family Services in the Diocese of Birmingham. I've been here for two years, and uh, we've been providing mental health services uh, for everybody in the community, including Catholics uh, within the Diocese of Birmingham and surrounding communities as well. Absolutely. And that gets that gets overlooked a lot about the importance of faith when it comes to therapy, when it comes to the healing process. But a lot of people don't realize that Al Alcoholics Anonymous, that was founded by a religious person. Right. And, it, and it's very, um, you know, it has a lot of uh, Christian principles. We hear that a lot in, in um, different dialectical behavioral therapy that was founded by Marshall Linehan, who was um, at a Jesuit school, Loyola University, and definitely used a lot of the St. Ignatius spiritual exercises to found dialectical behavioral therapy, which helps people with borderline personality disorder. Talk about the importance of that with faith in the healing process. Very overlooked these days. Yeah, and, and, and you know, that was the transition for myself, why I transitioned from uh, regular mental health into uh, uh, more of a spiritual mental health, because you were absolutely right, is a lot of times it's overlooked at, and it's uh, kind of something a taboo to talk about. Uh, you get a lot of professionals that will say, I really don't want to talk about spirituality, but in effect, it affects the client because that's a lot of the clients that we deal with have some spiritual needs. And so if you're forgetting this big, big piece of a person's life, it's almost not like you're not getting the complete, per uh, complete picture. And for myself, you know, 
uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Catholic. Uh, obviously, uh, a lot of the clients that we serve are Catholic, but we also serve other denominations and people that have, don't have faith. But research shows when you have a faith-based belief system that you tend to do better with uh, mental health issues, with depression, with anxiety, and with other aspects in life. And what we're seeing is now this shift into being more open to uh, services that are related to uh, the counseling with the spiritual aspect. And you know, the, the other thing I have to tell a, a lot of my staff that have a spiritual background is it's not a bad idea to uh, pray with the client before the session and after the session. And so I've had clients, even when I've accidentally forgotten, they'll say to me, uh, can we pray together? And, I, I, you know, absolutely, that's, that's where my mind is. And so when we pray, we bring another aspect of uh, our spiritual life into uh, the session itself. That makes a ton of sense. And it gets so overlooked. Now, I have two master's degrees in psychology, and, and that really wasn't talked about. It always felt like something was missing. And then I watched the Father Ripperger video, and that hit me like a slap in the face. He said, humans are composite beings. We're body and soul. Mm -hmm. Almost everyone agrees with that. Believe it or not, even a lot of atheists believe that we have a soul, even though that right. doesn't make logical sense. But nonetheless, if we're saying we're body and soul, that means to tr you have to acknowledge both aspects of the human person. Otherwise, we're not. We're, how could we address the human needs? If there are spiritual needs and spiritual concerns, that has to be addressed. Otherwise, we can't help them holistically. Another punchline, you know, buzzword these days, holistic improvement. But are people really working on that? And unfortunately, with Christianity, that gets swept under the rug. If we're talking about anyone could say Zen Buddhism or mindfulness or transcendental, right. all this new age stuff. But heaven forbid we bring up the, the church or Christianity and that kind of gets shunned. What, what's that all about? Yeah, you know, that, that's another thing that uh, uh, counselors that do uh, feel comfortable with uh, providing counseling in a spiritual aspect is there needs to be more advocacy. And I've been, unfortunately, at employers where uh, counseling was not appropriate with the spiritual aspect. And so it was hard for me as a, as a person who's spiritual and who's Catholic to want to help that person with their special needs, but being told that I can't do that. Uh, and I think it goes back to uh, separation of church and state and ch separation of uh, church and uh, in, in business. And uh, for a lot of us who have that spiritual desire and that spiritual need, it's important to, like you said, you can't, you can't have one with the, uh, without the other. And, I, and again, it's, uh, you know, I was just recently on a, on a Zoom meeting with the Alabama Counseling Association, and we had several different speakers uh, speak to that specific topic, which it's it's okay as a, a counselor to bring up spirituality. It's okay to ask them where are they in your, their spiritual life, even if they're atheists, because like I alluded to earlier, uh, research shows there is a longer lasting effect of counseling if there is a spiritual uh, belief in the background. And, you know, for myself, you know, I, I constantly talk to my clients about spirituality, but uh, I also uh, believe that um, when you have that uh, faith-based belief system, when the counselor's not around or the helper's not around, you could go to the uh, higher power or your, you know, your belief system that is spiritual in nature 
that can help you through this process. Because me as a counselor isn't going to be in your home at 10 o'clock at night. Whereas if I have the ability through the counseling session to say, when you're struggling and I'm not available, it's okay to you to go, go to God uh, and to pray about some intercession and assistance with the matter. Makes sense. Makes a, makes a lot of sense. And it's certainly not saying that we're using that as an opportunity to, we're not trying to capitalize on the week or, or evangelize, or so, though sometimes that comes up. That's not the point to push our religious beliefs on people. Yeah. But it can't be looked at as taboo to ask, are you a religious person? What are your ultimate beliefs? What do you believe about God? What do you believe about the afterlife? What do you believe it means to be a person? In my mind, we sweep under those because it seems like it's taboo. We sweep that under the rug. And those ultimate questions drive every action we take, every decision we make. So I think we do need to start talking about those ultimate questions. And it's certainly not to be in an invasive or a pressuring way. Yeah, you know, and then to that topic, where what we're seeing is a lot of uh, faith-based uh, students. Uh, that is a need that they're asking and they're yearning for. And what we're also seeing is that if they don't have, uh, you know, a counselor or some mental health specialist or a psychiatrist there to help them along the way, we see a lot of spiritual growth. But then it almost flattens out because they have this high, but don't understand it. It eventually levels out. And, you know, uh, it's important for them to engage a professional to say, hey, that's normal. You know, that's that's OK. But if if me as uh, the uh, student that we're seeing like at UAB uh, University here, which is one of the major uh, medical research hospitals in, in the United States, uh, we get a lot of their students that come in and they're struggling spiritually uh, because the, the they have a, a higher desire and want to grow. But that growth has to come in with some also assistance from a priest or their pastor or whatever, and also the, the mental health field as well to assist them. And, you know, you, you talked about that afterlife. You know, we're currently uh, helping a couple clients with that same thought process is they struggle with the understanding of the afterlife. But if you're having to deal with this on your own, it's like it's too much to handle. And so it, uh, uh, us as professionals should not be afraid. And, and if we don't have the, the feeling of the competency, we can get additional training. We can reach out to colleagues and ask. But uh, again, I think there needs a lot to be uh, a lot of advocacy that's been going on that, that needs to happen. Right. And people are looking for it. We know because they're, they're seeking out the spiritual in, in different places, in the wrong places. Reiki, yoga, healing stones, superstitions, rocks, um, all kinds of other ways. So it's you can't suppress the, the, the need for the spiritual because we're part soul. Right. And I think it's in Proverbs or Ecclesi Ecclesiastes where um, they say you've put eternity into our hearts. We have that craving for the infinite. So if you have an infinite cup, you cannot fill the infinite cup with finite matter. And that's mm -hmm. what we're trying to do a lot. That leads to the addictions or different struggles. We're trying to fill an infinite cup with finite matter. And it's not to say matter is bad. We're not talking about Manichaeism, Gnosticism, or, or Puritanicalism, but there's another part to us other than just the body. You know, and, and it also is important that it, it comes from the parents as well. What we're seeing is that uh, spiritual uh, growth and that spiritual awareness uh, is important to be instilled from the parents. But uh, again, there's a lot of a fear that if they do that, that won't be accepted by the general population. And I'll give you my example with my two little boys. 
uh, we constantly, uh, you know, prior to COVID, would pray before the match and uh, after the match. And what I would always say to them is, uh, you do your best and God will do the rest. And so uh, they, they understand the importance of uh, the spirituality with all aspects of their life, including uh, their uh, athletic part of life. Uh, because it's always good to, to praise the Lord and God uh, and to, to thank him for the uh, uh, physical abilities that he's given us. And we know, you know, just, you know, about wrestling is you don't win them all and you can't always be the best. You can try to achieve the best, but there's always going to be somebody better or uh, for whatever that moment is, you, another athlete's uh, at a higher level at that moment. And, you know, the thing about wrestling is that it teaches you all avenues of life. And, you know, one thing that you asked me about my professional career, I wouldn't be where I am professionally if it wasn't for wrestling, uh, because it taught me never to give up. It taught me uh, perseverance. It taught me that if I, if I, if I fail, I get back up and go again and push myself. And, uh, you know, for myself and my, my kids, uh, wrestling is another aspect that is help, uh, helping us uh, to get through this time and understand that uh, spirituality and uh, the well-being is, is all important. Absolutely. Oh, that's great. And, and just tying that all in with, with sports, and I think that it's, especially with a sport like wrestling, but really all sports, Right. it's so all-encompassing. Like we used, I used the word holistic before. It's, it's mind, it's body, it's your, your conditioning, your, your um, strength training, your nutrition, your rest and your recovery. So I think a lot of times these, the, the sports, that's, that, that can and should be an avenue to God because it, it makes us ask those ultimate questions, those self-searching, those self-probing questions. We were watching the Jordan Burroughs-David Taylor match last night, <laughs> and, and, and my wife noticed during the interviews, she said, wow, a lot of wrestlers talk about God. Joey yeah, was wearing a Jesus shirt, and, and, she, and I said, yeah, you know, it's just such a tough sport that you ask yourself, why am I doing this? What's this right, all about? Right, because you're right, right, you don't win them all, even when you're a great wrestler. Yeah, and you, you know, and, and to that effect, too, we also know that uh, it's really good to learn at a very young age that the ultimate goal should not be to get this big medal or this big trophy, because that's it's only fleeting for a moment. And when you have that, if you don't have a search for something else, uh, it, it's going to give you this empty feeling. And it's important for wrestlers just in general to, to come to that conclusion uh, that my goal should not be competing against this other com uh, this competitor. I'm, keen, I'm competing against myself to achieve the best I, I can at the sport. And like you said, you know, the the uh, you there's always going to be somebody better and always going to uh, somebody that might beat you. Uh, but if, if if we look at it, is I'm not competing against the, the that person. I'm competing against myself and what level I can get to. Uh, you'll you see a lot of success. And the other part to that is that uh, when, when a wrestler finishes uh, wrestling, I've read several different uh, discussions about this, is that, you know, the ultimate goal is the Olympics and getting this medal. And once they get to that point, if, if that has always been their goal, it's almost like a letdown because what's next? What's next? And, and the goal should be is not this Olympic medal, but just improve as a person improve as an individual in all aspects of life. Because if you have that, it won't matter after the Olympics. Uh, not to say that that's not a, a, a big accomplishment, 
but there's more meaning to life than just wrestling. And uh, you know what what wrestling also does teach you is uh, teamwork and family. And it's always interesting to watch a lot of the competitors that after the match, a lot of times they engage that same person that were they were wrestling to win a championship or whatever, and they become friends. And a lot of times they're long lasting friends for, for a lifetime. And it's interesting to, to see that at the moment that they're competing, they're the competitors, but once they're done, a lot of times they become friends. Right. No, those, those are great points, Oz. It's, it, it really is so true that we, we really need to make sure we're looking at the big picture and that just the spirit, the mind, the body, it, it, all, it all plays together. It all works together and you can't separate them. St. Augustine, I think as you were speaking, so many thoughts popping up in my head. I think you've made us for yourself, oh Lord. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So we right. know we're always going to have that craving. Um, to your point, Valentin Kalika spoke about this after Helen Maroulis won an Olympic championship. And they learned that there was a thing called post-Olympic blues after they've reached the pinnacle. And I know there's writers that spoke about this. We, we find God or we realize we have a certain yearning for God in our greatest moments. A lot of times we meet God when we're at our lowest, but sometimes it's in our greatest moments because what else? Isn't there more? And my wife, as her doctorate in genetics, she said it was a similar thing. After getting her PhD, the PH, at a certain point, the PhD becomes the goal and then you get it and you're like, well, now what? So we're seeing that with Olympic champions and PhD students. And it's sometimes just keeping it in perspective. And just one last point, because you, you have my mind going with all this. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, you have that perspective. When you have that full perspective and what it's all about, not only are you on the right path, but it's, and, and mental health wise, but also it's gonna help you compete better, which is a far second to the mental health. But right. you compete better because you're not gonna have all the pressure on you. If, if my identity is wrapped up in the wins and the losses, that's a lot of pressure from just a mental point of view. Yeah, and, 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 and to that effect, you you know, going back to this, uh, I'm competing against myself. Well, that's an easier thought process than I'm competing against this person to get this goal, which is this medal or this championship or this number one uh, ranking. And uh, once you get to that point, it, like you said, it's always like, well, there's more and I want more. But that even at that point, it, it's never enough. So if you come back to why am I doing this? I do this because I enjoy this. I like this. I like the camaraderie. I like helping somebody else. You know, I always tell my, my older son, his name's Wyatt. I said, Wyatt, you know, one of the best gifts you can give to, to the wrestling and other kids is teach them a move or help them. Because by doing that, you're not only sowing a seed for them, you're teaching yourself something about yourself and that individual that you maybe didn't realize. You know, the other part to the, the competition, I think a, a lot of athletes overlook is a lot of the reward really not doesn't come from the competition. It comes from the preparation of the competition. It's the work that you've done. Because if you look back at when people win these awards, they have these racing thoughts of, you know, I did this, I did this to get there. You know, I had to, you know, do this workouts. I had to eat healthy. I had to, you know, not go to hang out with all these friends to party and or I had to, uh, you know, set aside some time uh, to do extra workouts after practice. But that dedication not only transitions in, uh, for that time, but it also helps form that person as they grow into adults. And then once the wrestling career is, is over where, where they're actually competing, 
uh, it translate into situations within like family situations. They can remember, you know, the struggling of feeling like I'm never going to uh, be able to beat this person. And so it translates when, you know, you're arguing with your spouse, you know, this, this too shall pass uh, because uh, I, I was able to get through it over here with wrestling. I can get through it with my wife in this situation, whatever the, the situation is, or as a business perspective, you know, I constantly deal with uh, different uh, entities and, and groups and sometimes better than others. What we learn is that uh, you learn to work around certain difficulties because what you've learned in wrestling, you, you learn to, uh, the, to face those adversities and, and work around those. And it's kind of like if you lose to the same guy several times in a wrestling match, you eventually figure out different ways to uh, attack that individual. And in life is the same, same, same principle. Is if if it keeps on failing in a certain way, then maybe you need to go out from a different perspective. So, absolutely, absolutely. That's a that's a great point, and and that's that's what's missing a lot of times with these athletes. What are some of the biggest maybe mental mistakes you see these athletes make? I, I think you hit hit it earlier, which is um, they put a lot of pressure on the win. And if, if they were to able to mentally separate the win from the participation itself, I think it would reduce a lot of the stressor. And we know that when a person is, let's say, ruminating about, I've wrestled this guy before, he's beat me by five points, he's probably going to beat me again. You know, my dad's yelling me in the background that I shouldn't have lost as a kid. You know, my coach is saying these things to me. Well, that's a lot of pressure. But if you say, you know what, regardless if I win or if I lose, as long as I give my best, that's the most important part. And it doesn't matter if it's mom, dad, the coach, as long as you know you gave your most effort, that's the important part. And, and the uh, the other aspect to, to remember, and uh, we talked a little bit about this at uh, the beginning, is mental health is so tied into uh, individuals' well-being. So it, let's say if you're struggling in uh, schoolwork, well, you go to practice, your mind may not be at practice uh, or might not be even be in the competition because you're worried about the results of those, the schoolwork. And not to say schoolwork is important, obviously, uh, but what I'm saying is the stressor of that will affect the person's ability to compete. And uh, we also know that if we're uh, having uh, familial issues, what we're seeing right now with COVID, a lot of things that are occurring that normally didn't occur to the extent that they are occurring now. And so what happens is the person is pinning up these emotions and they're not getting them out. Athletes are not any different. It'd be a lot of athletes feel like they have to, even female athletes feel like they have to be uh, the best. And if I show any sign of weakness, then, then I'm not the best. But in order for a person to be a true, uh, the altruistic person, it's okay to cry about, you know, not being able to do something. It's okay to have these fears and it's okay to talk about them. It's okay to talk to them with your coach, you know, your, your uh, professor, your family, uh, a counselor, even your uh, wrestling mates or, or your other athletes that compete in the same uh, sport that you're doing. Uh, it's okay to bring those out. Because if you don't bring him out in this, like we saw uh, 
uh, with this Texas uh, high school football player that went out and tackled uh, the the referee. More than likely, that student had and that athlete had a lot of issues going on, and it was this was the easy target. Uh, but I can almost guarantee you, uh, he had a lot of problems that he wasn't dealing with, and this was an issue. And we even see this in uh, athletic sports where there's an actual competition and something doesn't go right in the event and then the athlete hits another athlete or hits a, a referee or takes it out on somebody else afterwards. But if, if, the, if it's important for them to get those emotions out in a healthy way via communication and the feeling words, you know, a lot of times we say uh, that we act out our emotions. And if we can express those emotions like, hey, uh, Gene, I'm upset with you because you didn't call me at 10 o'clock, that is healthier than me just, you know, giving you the cold shoulder or not interacting with you because you know what's going on. That's right. That's, that, that's great. And that's why I want, I want people to look at addressing mental health, addressing mindset, addressing emotions. That's a sign of strength. That, that's, that's actually to your credit when you do that, because I get it. There are a lot of athletes and people who are successful that suppress things. They don't talk about it. They act tough, but there's something else going on. And yeah. the big picture yeah. is what we want for people. I know we're on the same page here. We want to see people happy. We want to see people successful. And most important, we want to see them good moral people. Right. So it's right. happiness, it's success. And it's, and most importantly, being a good person. And right. you might get that level of success but you're not happy. Right, right. I get that level of success, but you're not operating at, with good moral character, with virtue. Well, what right. good is that? So looking at focusing on mental health, emotions, our mindset, that's a strength. If you're struggling with technique in a sport, you ask the coach, hey coach, what can I do in this situation? Right. And, and people look at that person as a good athlete, as a good right. student of the sport. If I'm, if I'm weak in a certain area for my squat or my bench press, I go to a strength coach. Hey, coach, I can't bench any more weight. What can I do? Right. And they give me the answer. And that's that's to my credit. Oh, look at Gene. He's a very strong or very intelligent person asking the question. Well, why don't we look at it the exact same way when it comes to our mindset? We go to a professional. We go to a counselor, a therapist to yourself and say, hey, you know, I'm struggling in this area. What can I do? We should look at that as a mentally tough person, <laughs> as an intelligent person. It's the same thing. No difference. Yeah, and I think I think the I think the stigma uh, is important to bring up, like you're doing right now, because uh, a lot of athletes in general uh, suffer through depression and suffer through uh, anxiety and have other issues. And and you hit it right on the spot where you can be the most successful person and be the most unhappy person, and, and it doesn't matter how much money you have or how much uh, accolades you have, if you are not in a fright frame of reference that's not going to do you any good. And so it's important, like you said, just like these other activities where you ask, reach out for help, mental health is as crucial and is as important as those other areas. Because we know, and research shows this, if you are not in a, well, a good frame of reference mentally, there you get sick more, you have more injuries, uh, you have more familial issues, you have more uh, arrests, you have more scholastic issues, you have uh, just a variant of, of different problems. And if you start addressing those, you will see a reduction in some of the symptomology and also some of the uh, uh, medical issues and other issues if you address those issues. 
but uh, I think it's important what, what you're doing, Gene, is to bring this to the forefront uh, because uh, even with you know wrestling mindset and mindset in general, it's good to teach all these things for wrestling, but it has to be for the long lasting because if not, it's only going to help you for wrestling. <laughs> right. But if we pursue this from a just a general person, you're going to help this individual for the rest of their life. And I had a wrestling coach. I'll just share this story. I had this wrestling coach. Um, his name is uh, uh, Eldon Brandenburg. And I grew up in a, a small town in Dot City, Kansas. And I wrestled for Dot City High School. And uh, he used to tell me, uh, it, it, and it's so interesting. Like, I grew up in a very poor uh, area where gangs were involved and stuff like that. And he was constantly giving me a lot of positive prompting, saying, what are you wanting in life? What are your desires? And what he never would say, okay, if you want this championship, this is what it's going to be. Uh, but he, what it was really sowing in my mind was healthy coping skills, health, healthy desires that I need to do with life. And, and, and it wasn't until an event that I got in trouble at school. And he said, uh, is this what you want for life? And I said, no. He goes, well, then you need to change the way you process things and the way you do things and the way you interact. And basically, he was dealing with uh, telling me is the way I uh, view situations or the way I think, you know, mental health stuff, that it will affect all aspects of my life. And once I was able to grasp that and also get help from a mentor like him and other individuals in my life, that transformed me as an individual so that. When things would come up, I knew that I could go to this individual and process some of my feelings. And if I'm not able to process those feelings, they come out in very negative actions. And what we, we're seeing, and you know this, uh, a lot of uh, collegiate uh, teams are now looking for a well-rounded uh, athlete that works well with his uh, fellow athletes. Because if you have, and I don't want to say one bad seed, if you want to have, one, if you have an athlete that is struggling emotionally, it's very detrimental to the whole team. And so if you don't help that individual, eventually, whether you keep him there or go somewhere else, he's going to have the same issues. So why not help that athlete while the person's there? And if, uh, you know, a letter team, obviously there has to be consequences, but, you know, so important uh, when we're struggling mentally, it's not because uh, we, we intended to do these things or we intended to be depressed. It's just, we don't have those coping skills. And if they learn these coping skills, it will transpire in other areas of their life. Absolutely, and that's what sports are at their best. It's, it's using the sports or any activity someone's involved in, even if they never become an athlete, it's using sports as a vehicle to build virtue and to build mental skills and these life lessons really for life. So it's sports, it's school, it's your career, it's your entire life. And, and knowing that all those, the science is all behind it. The correlations are there, as I said before, the people who are more religious, who have a sense of purpose, who go to, um, you know, a house of worship regularly, they're living longer and they're living happier. Right, so right. That, that's all there. And then, and then people who are addressing the mental health concerns, they're living happier. They're living healthier. We said how that connects in even with performance. When you understand your why and your purpose, you're, you're not basing your success. You're not basing your identity on success or failure. 
and knowing that it's all tied together, the correlations are there, the science supports it. And I, and I look at it like this, back to what you said before about a lot of times that separation of church and state, that separation of God and, and the rest of our life, which people look at as a good thing. That's a terrible thing. Yeah, it's not a good thing. It's a logical impossibility because if it, you, you just, you might be able to separate the carpenter from the chair he makes. Why? Because the carpenter makes the chair of wood and nails. So the carpenter could make that chair, step away from the chair, and the chair is on its own. But yeah. God made the universe out of nothing, which means he holds everything by his grace and existence at all times. So yeah. God cannot separate himself from the universe. Otherwise, you don't have the universe because nothing, there's no matter that holds it together other than God's grace. And people, we don't examine that a lot of times. So yeah. we can't separate our faith. We are mind, body, and spirit, and we have to address all of them. Yeah, and you know, the other part, you, you, that's why I send my kids to uh, a Catholic school, is because I know the importance of uh, our, our faith in our everyday life. And when I'm struggling, that is the first person I go to, is my faith, my higher being, uh, God as I know him, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, is I know that that's going to be constant. And, and, and if you grow in your spiritual life, that's going to be your number one source of comfort. And, I, and for a lot of us don't, that don't understand this, that's even above family, above our spouse is our spiritual life because we will always, people are made to fail, meaning in relationships. So no one's perfect. And so when you're active, interacting with people, they're going to do something that you don't like. But with your spiritual life, that is a, a, a constant. That is uh, uh, never uh, going to be gone away if you have that aspect. And if you don't have that, I encourage people to, to reach that out. You know, it's okay, you know, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, growing up, my parents would send us to every church you can imagine. You know, Protestant, uh, Mennonite, even though we were Catholic, but the, our parents wanted to see the, all aspects of life. But what that gave me is a greater understanding of loving my fellow human, but it also gave me an understanding that uh, we all want the same thing. We all want happiness. We all want to be successful. We all want a better life. And uh, it's important for us to, to realize, like you said, you can't separate anything from our spiritual life. And, and when we come to a conclusion that, that that is true as individuals, because you can't force somebody to, to, to understand something until they come to that conclusion from learning or experience. But what we see is once they have that grasp, there's nothing that they can't do. You know, if and you said it, uh, you know, when uh, you hear athletes after their competition, they're like, thank God. But you know what, and, and you know this feeling is, as this is, you're getting this, this win or whatever, a lot of times we, we, we think of, this is what I did to get there. And it's, you're not even thinking that I've actually, <laughs> you're thinking how you got there. And, uh, but it goes back to the building blocks of who you are as an individual. And uh, it's, so, it's so important for, you know, uh, athletes and individuals to explore their faith as they know their faith. And, and uh, you know, like you were talking about AA, you know, AA uh, often says, uh, know uh, God as, as you know him whatever that is to you. Now, uh, hopefully as the person develops, it gets to what we know God as uh, in, in a healthier way. 
but you have to start somewhere. And, uh, you know, with the mental health part is uh, we often uh, exclude God from our problems. And, and, you, and we see this a lot is that why wouldn't it be the first person you go to is God? Right. If, if, if Gene can't fix it, Oz can't fix it, your parents can't fix it, your coach can't fix it, you, you know who's left is God. But if we went to God first, that would save us so much relief and, and, and uh, uh, pain. Because even myself, and you know, I'll be the first one to tell you, uh, my wife has to remind me sometimes when I'm struggling with something uh, at work or uh, with a client or something, she's like, well, have you prayed about it? I'm like, that's the, I should know that. The elusive obvious. <laughs> when, when you, when you like, oh, you're right. You know, cause I can't fix everything and nor did God intend me to fix everything. Uh, we are not God and we're not to, to supposed to try to resolve everybody's problems. We, we're, our, our, our goal in, in life is to help others and to try to do our best to, to lift our fellow, uh, fellow man. And, uh, and if we can put the, our problems on God and let him do the fixing, we would resolve a lot of the issues that we have. Absolutely. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. That's great stuff, Oz. I really appreciate it. How do we send more people your way? Websites, any social media? Yeah, uh, so uh, the, 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 email, the website that we have is uh, cfsbhm.org. Uh, and it doesn't matter if it's anywhere in the United States. Uh, even athletes that may be looking at mental health issues, um, uh, I would make myself available for free consultation. And, and if they want somebody in the local area, uh, we can refer them to that uh, uh, area as well. And uh, they can also uh, find us on Facebook. And uh, what I can do, uh, Gene, is for you that information. But at CFSBHMFacebook.com uh, 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 and also on Instagram as well. But I'll forward you that information if you want to post that uh, with the video. Um, and just to give you the number that uh, here at Catholic Family Services, our phone number is uh, air code 205-324-6561. Uh, Again, the number is... 205-324-6561. And uh, it doesn't matter where you are in the United States. Uh, and the good thing about our organization, uh, Gene, is that uh, money's not an issue as far as uh, uh, being able to get resources and help. Uh, I always tell you know a lot of organizations, don't let the financial be a burden for you getting help. We'll make it work. And right now, what we're dealing with with COVID right now is so many families are struggling. Uh, so many athletes are struggling because a lot of people are getting locked up inside the house or doing virtual classes and we're missing that face-to-face -face contact. Uh, but there's ways around that that we can try to work through in the meantime. And uh, I think, Gene, you're, you're, you're God blessing to, to everybody that you come across with. And, and I pray that the Lord continues to bless you in all that you're doing. And this topic about mental health and spirituality are very close to my heart. And uh, I think you need to continue to pursue it because it's an underlining stigmatic issue that a lot of people do not want to approach that topic, but so many of us suffer with it. Definitely. And did a great, and you did a great job covering it today. So thank you very much. Thank you. God bless you. God bless your family. We'll throw the links to all, all those, everything you said in the show notes. All right. Well, uh, again, God bless you. And if, if you want to talk again, we'll talk again, Gene.
Absolutely. Take care. All right. Thank you. Bye. And that is a wrap from today's podcast. I'm Gene Zanetti from Winning Mindset. Make sure you guys go to our website. Make sure you go to zwinningmindset.com. Make sure you buy the book. The ebook is great, excellent information, represents some of the great information that we've learned from top athletes working with some of the top teams and individuals all across the country. Go to our website, zwinningmindset.com. Make sure you get the ebook. Also, make sure as an individual you sign up for the one on one free trial consultation. That's the one on one free trial consultation with one of our mindset coaches. The best results always come from one-on-one attention, whether it's strength training, whether it's technique, or whether it's mindset. One-on-one is always the best. Thanks for staying with us. Make sure you join us next time for the next episode. Mindset makes the difference. Have a great day.